Hello and welcome to Well It Depends, a podcast exploring the grey areas of health, fitness and life. I am your host, Charlie Beestone. I'm a qualified nutritionist and performance coach who works with everyone from elite athletes and CEOs to recreational gym goers and the general population. Well, it depends is the title of this podcast as it's probably the three words that I say most often when asked a question. Because more often than not, the answer is, well, it depends. The aim of this podcast is to try and resist the urge to oversimplify complex topics and to dive deeper to help you, the listener, improve your understanding at a less superficial level. I hope you enjoy the podcast. I hope that it challenges you to reappraise your tightly held beliefs, that you remain open to alternative perspectives and that you deepen your understanding of the subjects discussed, even if you already have some knowledge of the topic. As basketball coach John Wooden once said, it's what you learn after you know all that counts. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of Well It Depends. Um, I can't remember which one this is because I'm not professional enough to have looked at what episode this was before I started. It's been a while since I last did one of these. I have been on holiday since and various other excuses as to why this hasn't happened. I think I always wanted it to be a podcast where I spoke to people when I felt I had something to say rather than I want to get so many episodes out per week or per month or anything like that. In the future, I'd like to be a little bit more regular and I will look to get some more guests on. But for now, this is the structure and I'm absolutely fine with it. Today's topic was one that people voted for on Instagram. Um, At least they voted for it first. And it's all to do with uncertainty. And uncertainty is something that is pertinent when it comes to behavior change and nutrition and all of the things I normally talk about and do in my work day to day. And I just think it's an interesting topic in life in general, how we deal with uncertainty and where we find uncertainty in our lives. And yeah, I just think there's a lot to be said for actually having a conversation around uncertainty rather than it being this sort of thing that we all go through and all experience but I don't think anyone really talks about that much so as always I guess we start with a definition um uncertainty it's very simple it's very self-explanatory so it can range from falling short of certainty to an almost complete lack of conviction or knowledge about an outcome or result and I think it's fair to say that on the whole we struggle with uncertainty Our brains like patterns. It likes to know that there will be things that will help us live and that there will be things that won't kill us. Anything outside of that is essentially a threat to us. So there's something primal where our brain is always scanning for threat. And if we're not certain in that moment and we can't be sure that we're not being threatened, we will get that trigger of that sort of fight or flight response. And uncertainty is really difficult. And a couple of examples of this Some of the research shows that job uncertainty, for example, tends to take a more significant toll on our health than actually losing our job does. And also research has shown that when participants were told they had a 50% chance of receiving a painful electric shock, they felt way more anxious than participants who were told they were going to get a shock. So the not knowing is often actually worse than knowing. And that uncertainty is really difficult for some people. As always with this podcast, I try and look at both sides 
of the topic that I'm covering. And I actually think, are there any benefits to this thing that I wanted to talk about that's widely perceived as negative? And I personally believe there are benefits to uncertainty. And I'm going to list a few of them now. Number one is that uncertainty leads us to change our behavior. In fact, the unexpected uncertainty is such a powerful motivator for change that it actually prompts us to adjust our behavior, even if the change that we make to our behavior isn't good for us. But regardless of whether the behavior that we change is positive or not, unexpected uncertainty really motivates change. And I think we actually saw this during the pandemic, and I know I saw it during the pandemic as well, in that I left a full-time job to go and work for myself mid-pandemic. And there was a lot of talk about what was going to happen to the economy and what was going to happen to work, whether people were going to work remotely or go back into work. We didn't know any of these things. And actually, that almost helped me make my decision in that if I can't predict with any certainty what's going to happen anyway, I may as well make the decision that makes most sense to me now. Whereas if I'd have thought, Actually, I know one year from now, everything with work will be the same. It will be certain. It will be constant. And I know this. I might have been less inclined to have made such a drastic change in my life. So actually, uncertainty can be really useful for helping us change our behavior. Uncertainty also allows for better understanding and a better discussion. So in Think Again, which is a book I always reference by Adam Grant, and that's because it's a very good book. If we hold an opinion weekly, expressing it really strongly can backfire. So communicating with some uncertainty signals humility, confidence, and actually invites curiosity, and that leads to a better discussion. I think part of the issue with the sort of internet age when it comes to learning and debate um, is that it doesn't really happen. We don't really get debate. We get people shouting at each other, and that's because they want to feel like they are certain with the answer. We want this sort of black or white and things like this podcast where we're saying well everything depends and we want to discuss some of the nuance that doesn't happen because people prefer certainty so if we can sort of sit with uncertainty and be better with that we will probably learn more and we'll definitely have better conversations we are actually better at discovery as well so linda barry who's an american cartoonist um spoke about that the mobile phones that we all have, all having smartphones, they give us an awful lot of things, but they take away loneliness, uncertainty and boredom. And actually, when we're trying to be creative, those three things, those three elements are really important. If we're not sure what's going to happen, we have to think of what's going to happen next and actually can lead to some divergent and creative thinking. I also think that uncertainty helps us deal with imposter syndrome. So that's the topic of my next podcast. But just as a little insight into the sort of things we're going to cover one of the key elements of imposter syndrome is that we're going to feel like imposters because we've never done things before so if you feel like an imposter in a a new job role or in a promotion or working with someone that you've not worked with before that's justified because you've not done that thing before so how can you be certain that you'll be good at it how can you be certain that it will work out there is an uncertainty which is inherent with that And I think we just have to acknowledge that the uncertainty isn't necessarily negative. To feel uncomfortable with uncertainty is literally the point. How can you feel comfortable if you know what's coming next? So a lot of imposter syndrome, although we can't actually take that away, we can't be more certain, we can at least be safe in the knowledge that 
that uncertainty is actually part of the process and we're supposed to experience it and it's not some sort of fault on our part as to why we actually feel that. Uncertainty allows for vulnerability, which I think is often perceived as a weakness, but I know Brené Brown speaks a lot about how vulnerability isn't a weakness and it's actually a strength. So choosing to be curious, which is something I've spoken about on this podcast before, has been really important and it's actually one of my values. That's choosing to be vulnerable because it requires us to surrender to uncertainty. We actually don't know what the outcome of something is going to be. That's why we're curious about it and that means uncertainty. And then if that uncertainty makes us more vulnerable, vulnerability has lots of benefits in terms of we build stronger relationships with people, uh, we are more self-aware because when we let go of our assumptions and our ego and we begin this process of uncertainty, the moment we don't, we admit that we don't know everything, we open up a path for ourselves to actually continue to grow and learn and explore and all of those really positive things. And finally, I wanted to end on a quote from Alan Watts in his book, The Wisdom of Insecurity, because he goes beyond saying that uncertainty isn't a bad thing and actually says it's sort of a key component of life so he says that music is a delight because of its rhythm and flow yet the moment you arrest the flow and prolong a note or chord beyond its time the rhythm is destroyed because life is likewise a flowing process change and death are its necessary parts to work for their exclusion is to work against life Fear, insecurity, and uncertainty are the price we pay for a conscious, fully awake, fully alive life. Rather than making yourself wrong for feeling fear and insecurity and the winding roads of change, honour them as signs of a courageous life. So actually, he's suggesting that if we feel more uncertainty, rather than trying to sort of dampen that or reduce that or rid our lives of uncertainty, that's actually a sign to us that we're probably living a courageous life, which... I'm sure a lot of people would like to at least convince themselves that's what they're trying to do. So there's some of the benefits of uncertainty. Obviously, I wanted to unpick why we struggle with uncertainty and why it can be an issue. I think we can all think of examples where we feel uncertain. One that always stands out to me is um, when we're waiting for the train. So there's the difference between waiting for a train and we know what time the train's coming and waiting for the train where it just says delayed on the board and it could be five minutes, it could be five hours and we've got no idea. And we can all feel how much more frustrating just knowing that it's delayed but not knowing until when is than knowing when. I'd rather be waiting five extra minutes for a train but know that I'm going to be waiting 10 minutes than not knowing and it can be in five minutes. So actually we'd rather put ourselves out slightly more but be certain of what's going to happen than be put out less but have that greater uncertainty it's the same with um, queuing in traffic for example if we know that there's going to be a queue and we know how long it's going to take to get through we generally have less of an issue than if we just get stuck in traffic and we can't see what the cause is and we don't know how long we're going to be stuck there even if in that second example we get through the traffic quicker it's the not knowing that causes the pain so some of the issues we have with uncertainty Oliver Berkman, I think I spoke about this in the last podcast, but I really like this point. We are so averse to agitation and uncertainty that actually we will take steps to avoid that, even if that stops us from living the life that we want to do. So from 
doing the work we want to do, uh, having the relationships we want, all of the things that we really want to achieve in our life and would allow us to live a life that aligns with our values, we're happy not moving towards that if in the short term we can avoid some uncertainty. And I think there's also a huge link between uncertainty and anxiety. And obviously, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a medical professional. So I can only speak from anxiety in terms of what I've read and also my own experiences. But generally, people that are uncomfortable with uncertainty are more likely to experience anxiety in specific situations, as well as having trait anxiety. So that was something that Brené Brown, again, has wrote about in the past. And anxiety often leads to one or two coping mechanisms, so worry or avoidance. And I think I've spoken about this before as well, and that neither of those is particularly effective. If we worry, we basically get lots of negative thoughts about bad things that might happen in the future. And we think that we're actually controlling the situation by worrying about it, but we're not. We're just making ourselves feel worse about it. So uncertainty can really be difficult for people that tend to be anxious and can cause anxiety because Again, anxiety is, to some extent, worrying about what might happen, which goes hand in hand with not knowing what will happen, which is uncertainty. So there are two reasons that uncertainty can become a problem. Uh, For people that have a low tolerance for uncertainty, obviously no one likes being uncertain. Um, And in many situations, it's going to feel bad, but that doesn't mean that we have to get rid of it. So a really, really good example of this, which I'll come back onto later on, is the stockpiling of toilet roll during the pandemic. Um, People were screaming at each other on social media that it was completely irrational to be stockpiling toilet roll because we weren't going to run out. And to some extent, that was true. We weren't going to run out of toilet roll. However, it actually could be seen as a rational behaviour from people that were trying to reduce their levels of uncertainty because they have a low tolerance for being uncertain. So even though we probably wouldn't run out of toilet roll, People are sat at home thinking, well, we probably won't, but we could run out of bug roll. What will I do then? Oh, I'm, sh- I'm not sure. I'm not certain what's going to happen in the future. So what I will do is remove any chance of that uncertainty, stockpile all the things that the media are telling me that we could run out of, and then I'm certain that I'll be absolutely fine. So that was probably an example of somewhat rational behaviour from people that just have a really low tolerance for not being certain. The other time that it can become an issue is for people that always avoid uncertainty. So when we get into the habit of, if we don't feel certain about something, avoiding it, that can lead to a lot of challenges in our lives where day-to-day stuff requires us to be uncertain. And again, we become so stuck because we just don't have any tolerance for uncertainty that we actually don't get anything done. So I want to give an example of that. So for example, Let's imagine that you have a friend that asked you to go to an exercise class with them. But after hearing that it's one that you've not done before and you haven't actually exercised in a while, you start to feel a little bit anxious. So you worry about looking awkward and uncomfortable when you're moving. Um, You find it really hard. There might be other people there that might judge you. You hate the idea of being embarrassed in front of everyone. The more you think about that, the more anxious you actually feel. And you actually get to the point where you think about the option of actually saying no I can't after you've initially said yes and you make up an excuse for why you can't go because not only does that save you the potential anxiety of how the class might feel in that moment but it also makes you feel better right now 
So you don't have uncertainty for the future and you also have certainty for now because you're certain that you will feel better. You text your friend and you say, oh, something's come up with family, so I can't make it. And you immediately feel better. The issue is that you've escaped the uncertainty, but you've also made it less likely that you're going to do that thing in the future because your brain is looking out not only for danger, but also for how you respond to threat and what you're going to do in the future. So do you escape and confirm to your brain that the anxiety, that uh, that uncertainty about the class was a, an actual threat that was worth avoiding? That means that you will feel less anxious there and then, but you're more likely to feel more anxious in the future and you'll be more likely to be tempted to avoid it. Or do you approach it? So do you actually disconfirm your fear assessment of that threat, of the threat of the exercise class, which sounds a bit ridiculous? Um and you show your brain that even when things feel uncertain, that doesn't necessarily mean that those things are a threat. And you actually might be more likely to build a cycle where even if you feel uncertain, you can go back to the bank of evidence that you've got and say, actually, lots of times when I've felt uncertain in the past, I've done the thing anyway and it's turned out fine. So that's a really interesting way of looking at how uncertainty and how we actually act when we feel uncertain can determine how we will then act with uncertainty in the future. Which brings us on quite nicely to how uncertainty affects behaviour change, which again is sort of the point of this podcast to talk about nutrition and health and lifestyle and how all of these concepts actually affect what we do. So I spoke earlier about how if circumstances change, we change to try and find certainty. So if something changes and we feel uncertain, we will change what we do to try and bring back some of that certainty. So we try and change in our environment to lessen uncertainty. So we might change our behavior, our decision-making strategies and try and regain some of that sense of control. So the toilet paper example from the pandemic is a really good one. And there's actually evidence that we change our behavior even if it doesn't necessarily serve us. So there's this really nice study by uh, Dr. Adrian Walker, and they tested how people respond to unexpected change. So the researchers gave study participants with selling a pair of objects to one or two subjects. So they had to sell uh, objects to aliens in a virtual simulation. And the idea was to get as many alien dollars as possible. So it's a very strange study, but it's just a conceptual thing. I don't think any alien aliens were involved. So participants needed to choose which alien to sell a pair of chemicals to. So there were two aliens. Only one of the chemicals determined how much the alien would pay. So they needed to work out which chemical and which alien and which combination of the two would earn them the biggest reward. So how could they get the most alien dollars? So a group of 35 participants were shown the study and they quickly learned that one strategy, let's say option A, gave them the best offer of 15 points. But halfway through the experiment, they changed the pattern of reward and option A now gave a random number between 8 and 22 points. As soon as they added in that uncertainty, the participants started to look for new ways to complete the task. But the issue was... In all cases, the best strategy was the one that they were using in the first place. But as soon as uncertainty was introduced, people completely changed what they were doing just to try and bring back some semblance of certainty. So 
the first thing to remember is that uncertainty can change our behavior, even if it doesn't serve us to change our behavior. And I think this links really nicely to self-sabotage with our health behaviors, because although we try and control all of the behaviors that say we want to lose weight or get healthy or get fitter, and actually people try and find too much control sometimes. So if we try and get too much control through food or exercise, that might be a symptom of disordered eating or eating disorders. But we can't always control those variables that lead to improvements in health, body composition, fitness, etc. But the one thing we can control is failure. And you can fail as fast as you like with any of those things. And actually, we see this a lot with people, particularly with people that struggle with fear of failure. Is And also with self-sabotage, with not being perfect, with control, with all of these different elements. Rather than sit with the uncertainty and not know whether they're going to be successful with something, not knowing whether they're going to be able to control something, maybe losing control. So when we lose control of food at a social event or we're really busy at work and we lose control over our ability to exercise, people try and bring back some control. And they can control failure. They can control massively overeating and getting through three packets of biscuits and a tub of ice cream. They can control three takeaways in the bounce. All of those things that people do when they say they're all or nothing and they went off the wagon, sometimes that can be them searching for control. So I think, again, that shows really nicely where uncertainty can actually have a big influence on our health behaviours. So that's everything I wanted to discuss around uncertainty. And then I wanted to sort of get to my thoughts and maybe a, th- a few of the things that I do or I help people with to manage uncertainty. Uh, I think the irony of these podcasts and of all good podcasts is that to some extent, it's about me sharing my thoughts and opinions. But I'm here hiding behind the views of people like Brené Brown, Adam Grant, Alan Watts, because I'm reluctant to share my views and thoughts as I'm not certain how they'll go down or received so there's a certain irony to the fact that i am not certain how whether people agree with me or not and that uncertainty is uncomfortable so i almost got to the point where i was like well i'm not not going to share any of my thoughts which is stupid but at least it's a nice proof of concept of what i've been talking about today so what do i do to actually help people with their uncertainty and to help myself particularly i think the first thing And this is something that I've started doing more since I read about the effects of how much uncertainty can affect our behavior. So sometimes if I feel uncertain, I will look at my life and go, well, what's changed then? Because sometimes a big change can create that uncertainty. And if I'm struggling with changing a behavior or I'm doing things I wouldn't normally do or wouldn't like to do, it might be because I'm trying to create some certainty at a time in my life where lots of things aren't certain. So if there's a big change like a job or family or global pandemic, you can expect uncertainty and you can expect that desire to change because you probably crave certainty. So then you, if you are aware of that, awareness is generally the first step to change your behavior. You can then be mindful about whether you're going to stick with behaviors, whether you're going to twist, how you want to respond. As soon as you have awareness, you have choice to respond. So that's the first step. In terms of dealing with uncertainty, I sort of see that there are three ways of doing it. Number one is to minimize the uncertainty. And I've not really spoke about this, but this is a, a very obvious 
and sometimes very successful strategy. For example, if you're very nervous about a presentation you've got coming up and you're not sure how it's going to go, you can create some certainty by practicing it in front of people. Um, get feedbacks on the things, feedback on the things that don't work so well. You can sometimes go and have a look at where you're going to be presenting so that you've got some certainty on what the room will look like, how many people are going to be there, how long you've got. You can create certainty. You can't be certain about the end result, but you can be certain about lots of other things. And I think this is something that I emphasize when I work with athletes a lot. You can't be certain how your performance is going to go. But we can create some certainty with your food. If you do all the same things you normally do with food that happen when you perform well, that's another little tick that you can think, well, actually, I am certain that I did everything I could to prepare. I've done everything I can. The other uncertainty bit I'm now okay with because I did have some control over things. The first step is to try and minimize uncertainty where you can. Step two, and this is based on another piece of really interesting research, is actually if you can phase in uncertainty rather than go from a place where you feel relatively certain to a big change in uncertainty, and we spoke about why that's difficult, if you can phase it in, you'll actually feel better. So there's a, a bit of research. Uh, the second part of that sort of alien research, for want of a better phrase. So we spoke about how option A um, got the most amount of points and that was the one that people used the researchers did a second part of the study where they introduced uncertainty in a gradual way to a different group of 35 participants so although option a normally gave them 15 points or alien dollars they changed that to 14 to 16 points and then they changed it to 13 to 17 points and then the uncertainty kept rising until it got to between 8 and 22 points so the same amount of uncertainty as in the first study in the end and they found that the participants' behaviour didn't change dramatically, even though the uncertainty eventually reached the same levels as in the first experiment. So they ended up at the same point, but because the uncertainty was phasing gradually, people were able to maintain their old strategies, which is really interesting. So we see this, for example, with climate change, um, where the change is slow and barely noticeable. There's no sudden prompt to change our behaviour. And so we hold on to our old behaviours. This is sort of like the analogy of if you put a frog in a pot of boiling water, it jumps out. If you put it in cold water and heat it up, it stays in and gets nice and toasty and then eventually cooks and dies. It's the same in that if you can sort of seed in uncertainty and phase it in, you'll probably feel better than if you just got a big dose of uncertainty straight away. We see this with people that don't look after their health for a long period of time in that from the ages of 30 to 50, they don't really notice day to day that they're doing less or that they feel worse or that they potentially have gained weight. And then suddenly maybe a big life event happens when they are 50 or maybe just turning 50 is the life event. And they go, shit, I had no idea. Like it just happened so quick. I feel like yesterday I was running, I was going to the gym, I was playing football. And now suddenly I can't put my own socks on. And it's that sort of the temperature slowly increasing in the water rather than jumping into boiling water. It's the same sort of effect. So try and phase in uncertainty if we can. And then the last one is to embrace uncertainty. So Austin Creon is, I think his name uh, is an author that I really like. Obviously I like him so much that I can't remember what his name is. Um, he says that 
The world is changing at such a rapid rate that it's turning us all into amateurs. Even for professionals, the best way to flourish is to retain an amateur spirit and embrace uncertainty and the unknown. So actually, we can't control so many different things. That's one of the fundamentals of life is uncertainty. And we must accept that. And we have to accept that if we genuinely want to feel more confident. There are simply some things that we can't control. There are some very bad outcomes that we simply can't prevent. And no amount of thinking and worrying will change that. So we're actually better to face up to our fear of uncertainty with confidence than live in denial about it. And then there are a few strategies that we can use to help us embrace that uncertainty. So we can practice our tolerance of the emotions that we associate with with uncertainty. So usually this is fear or some variant of fear. So we can find situations that elicit a small amount or a medium amount of uncertainty and then practice allowing ourselves to grow, feel the fear um, without doing anything to make it go away. We just feel it. So practice being willing to be afraid. Practice being willing to be uncertain. And this is true of people trying to change anything or start anything. If you want to become better at public speaking, if you want to get an understanding of what you should be doing in the gym, having never been before, if you want to become a runner, at some point you have to be uncertain about all of it. You're not sure how it's going to feel. You're not sure how bad you'll actually be. And you just need to practice and start with small steps and practice being willing to actually be uncomfortable, uncertain and afraid. And then you sort of grow that muscle to become less afraid and you eventually willingly embrace fear because you actually can see all of the positives that come out of fear on the other side. We can fake it until we make it. So uncertainty, how that feels is driven by how we respond to it, which we've spoken about a lot during this podcast. If you want to feel it less intensely, you need to respond to it as if it's not as intense as it is. So don't automatically try and get reassurance when faced with uncertainty. Practice making small decisions that actually move you towards more uncertainty. And seeking out opportunities to master things and become really good at things. Often uncertainty for us is a sign that we sort of crave growth and mastery and becoming good at something again. It's something that we actually manage out of our lives as we uh, get older. And most adults actually don't have anything where they are pursuing being better at something. If you're feeling habitually stuck or overwhelmed, One way to interpret that is a sign that you need more challenge and you need more opportunity um, for genuine growth. I had a conversation with a client not that long ago where we eventually got to this sort of understanding that the reason they were struggling with change is they were just sitting in their life. They weren't moving forward. They weren't pushing themselves. They didn't have any purpose. There wasn't that much meaning. All of the things that had given them drive in the past, they no longer had. And then that's when they started to feel a little bit stagnant and they really struggled with uncertainty. So if that's you and if that resonates with you, maybe seek out a challenge and think, actually, I'm going to 2022, for the rest of it, I'm going to do this. 2023 will be the year of X. So that is everything on uncertainty. I really hope that was useful. I appreciate that was a little bit longer than the other podcast so thank you ever so much for people that stuck to the end if you've got any suggestions for what you'd like me to talk about in the future guests you'd like me to have on please send them over to me via email it is info at cb-nutrition.com on instagram i'm cbnutrition underscore 
So just drop me a message and I look forward to speaking to you very soon.